<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. Detroit. This has been uh, quite a time. I hope you guys, I know a lot of you guys were here for the stand-up show. Everyone having a good night so far? Detroit. And we gotta leave pretty soon in the morning, Rob. Just as quick as we came, we leave. I never even convinced any homeless people to kidnap the governor. <laughs> it was my one big plan while I was here. It never worked out. Every time I came up to them, they were like, we've heard that one. Before. You know. You know, Detroit... Everyone hypes you guys up like it's a real dangerous town, but I'm not seeing it. Everywhere I go, we were, we're, we were in St. Louis, we went to Chicago, we went to all the places where they say everyone's being murdered, but not in my white part of town, I'll tell you that, not where they put me up, everyone just seems friendly and nice. I'm like, when does the knife fight start? But I guess it's not coming. Shockingly nice down here. Yeah, very nice. It's, <laughs> we don't tell anyone. We don't want them moving in. I'm Detroit. All right. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. We go almost every city. They're like, the city's falling apart. And it is, but, you know, over there. Like, not where we are. Where we are, everything seems to be fine. How's Detroit been over the last few years? Has it gotten better or worse? Much better. That just like seems like one person who just got a promotion at work. <laughs> so much better. Because we were broke a couple years ago. And now Is this where all the quantitative easing money went? <laughs> it just all went to Detroit. Oh, that is a solid libertarian joke. That there's four people who just walked in off the street who are like, what the fuck is that little bald Jew talking about? Quantitative easing money? Is that it's, it's a thing. Just go, go look it up later. It's a thing. Well, we're all right. So we got a, we're doing a live part of the Problem Podcast, which for those of you guys uh, who have seen this before, we bullshit for a little bit and then we take questions. If there's anything you guys want to talk about or ask us, you, you'll get an opportunity to do so. But uh, I don't know what's going on in the world, Rob. It seems like uh, we figured out shockingly 
It turns out it wasn't aliens that we were shooting down from the planet, uh, from the sky, a few weeks ago. I know a lot of you wanted to believe it was. I've, I've gotten a lot of predictions right over the years. This was the easiest one ever. <laughs> they were like, do you think it's aliens? I go, no, I don't. They go, but look, Joe Biden shot something down. So what are the odds that it's a life form that traveled from millions of light years away but couldn't avoid Joe Biden? <laughs> and I was like, pretty low, I'd say, pretty low. Like, and they're like, well, what do you think it is? I go, anything other than that. I think it's anything other than that. I'm just happy government's finally taking balloons seriously. <laughs> My whole life, they were totally unconcerned with the balloons in our skies. And finally, we have a president who's willing to take that's action. A, that's a very good point. If only they were this concerned about the housing bubble. <laughs> um, so well, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden had to address it, basically. Enough people told him he had to say something about it. And he was like, all right, give me all the Adderall in the world. <laughs> and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to address it. So Joe Biden did talk about it, right? We have uh, that video, I believe. I want to be clear. We don't have any evidence that there has been a sudden increase in the number of objects in the sky. We're now just seeing more of them partially because the steps we've taken to increase our radars, to narrow our radars. And we have to keep adapting our approach to dealing with these challenges. That's why I've directed my team. I just want to point out that they cut camera angles now so that they can edit when he was falling asleep. <laughs> they got a two camera shoot system. Like if you see one eyeball sinking down low, switch to the other one. This guy's 120 and he's had 16 <laughs> vaccinations. Please, don't focus on the eyeballs too long. So he says, but to the point he made, he goes, listen, there's nothing new. There's always been things in the sky. We're just seeing them now. And that's why we have to step up the efforts to see them even more. Let's play the rest of this. To come back to me with sharper rules for how we will deal with these unidentified objects moving forward, distinguishing between those that are likely to pose safety and security risks that necessitate action and those that do not. But make no mistake, if any object presents a threat to the safety and security of the American people, I will take it down. Is, and, and this is really saying something for Joe Biden. Has he ever sounded more senile than he did right there? Because <laughs> there's objects everywhere. There's always been objects anywhere. But if those objects are getting mad, don't think I won't take out those objects. <laughs> Isn't it just the most, only like government officials can get away with this nonsense? When you're just like, you just want to ask the most basic question, you're like, what was the fucking object? <laughs> what was it? What, like, what are you even talking about? And, and by the way, you know what it turns out all this shit was? It was like some fucking third grade science teacher letting a balloon <laughs> off into the sky. Being like, look, kids, this is how it's going to, like, oh, look, you see how it's interacting with gravity? And then the Pentagon shot a $300,000 missile at him <laughs> to try to make Joe Biden look like he doesn't have a soft penis. That's the story. That's the story that engulfed this nation for the last month. I hope that this becomes the uh, biggest issue of the next election. <laughs> I shoot down so many things in the yeah. sky. Trump's up there at the debate. I will take care of so many more balloons than him, okay? <laughs> If you think Biden can shoot down a balloon, I care so much more about the balloons, okay? I'll use the biggest bombs. <laughs> that should be how we decide who wins. Just drop balloons and give them each a needle. 
and be like, who can pop more balloons? Right? <laughs> Whoever does is the next president. Like, Fuck it, let's have some fun, man. It seems like we really like exploding shit. Like, if there was one thing that seems to get the Americans excited, it's exploding things. And so it is what we're best at. Right. Just usually in the Middle East. It's usually yeah. you go over there. No, it doesn't matter. Syrians, right. you know, balloons, whatever. <laughs> So it seems like they're hopping on this because it's just an easy uh, win to be like, I'm going to explode every balloon. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bizarre. So bizarre that they wouldn't just like, it's like the obvious question. Just like, wait, so were these things a threat or not? And they're just not going to answer that. They're just going to be like, look, there's stuff in the sky and we're blowing it up. And the only, there's always been stuff in the sky, but we're just seeing it now. And so let me let you know, you put more stuff in our sky, we'll blow more of it up. And you're like, is there any adult in the room who's just going to go like, hey, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, So just to recap what happened this one. So we have the supposed China spy balloon. Everyone gets pissed off at Biden. They go, how come he did nothing about it? So then he goes, well, we had three unidentified objects. This is how seriously I'm taking stuff in our airspace. And I blasted all of them. Then we find out that one of them was like the biggest dorks in the world. We're floating a balloon with a little radio thing on it. And biggest they- dorks in the world. This is coming from us in a room full of libertarians, all right? We're saying we're even turned off by how dorky those guys were. Now, back to your quantitative easing jokes. So then people turn around, the dorks go, hey, you shot our balloon. And then it turns out, also, we have satellites. They're like, excuse me, you owe us $49 for that balloon. But also, they would know. We see, like, footage when you have UFOs, these planes, they have cameras on it. So they made a decision on purpose to blast a $10 balloon with a $400,000 missile so that they could pretend like they were taking UFOs seriously. Man, that is some government math right there. (laughs) That's right. So we have the clip of Biden at the press conference, right, where he's uh, asked about that. No, so this was the— Oh, I'm sorry. It was Kirby. Kirby from the Pentagon. Thank you, Admiral. Two questions about this whole series of, of military uh, shootdowns. Uh, first, it defies reason that you would have zero idea what these three objects were, since uh, the fighter jets themselves took video of their sorties. Will you release the cockpit videos from those missions? I'd have to refer you to DOD on, on that, James, in terms of releasing the imagery. I never said we had zero idea. I said we don't know what they are, and so did the president. What does that mean? <laughs> I, just, I love how they can, he can just say, I, I want to refer you to DOD. Like, the Pentagon guy can just go, you got to call the Department of Defense on that one. Like, you just imagine, it's like if I just shot someone in the face yesterday, and I was like, it was totally legit, and you were like, you took video of it, right? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, can we see that video? And I go, I'm going to have to refer you to my wife on that one. <laughs> She's really in charge of the videos, you know? Like, I also love the thought of that they were all sitting in the mission control room looking at them about to fire at a $10 parade balloon. I really picture, it's like sometimes my daughter, she's four, and she'll have a balloon and like lose it into the sky. And I just picture what they were shooting was just like a red balloon <laughs> with a ribbon on it. Like they were like, what is this? Yeah. It's just hers. It's like that famous Banksy picture, but they're shooting at the balloon. <laughs> it was like a big Peppa Pig balloon. <laughs> and they were just like, there's a pig in our airspace. What planet of pigs did this come from? 
I think we should take advantage of it. If you guys don't watch Peppa Pig, it's a really good show. (laughs) Sorry, I got little kids now. That's where my mind's... Instead of Fourth of July fireworks, maybe we can release balloons in the sky and the government will just fucking blast them. That would be fucking pretty awesome. Yeah. You just, like, go... Just go to the White House with like a big thing of balloons. Boogity boogity. Are you scared? We're here from China. There's so many balloons and Biden's doing nothing about it. And they're right over the White House. What a bunch of pussies. Are they going to strike these balloons or just be pussies? A cop just shoots us in the face. like, well, they took care of it. The intelligence community's leading explanations at this point are that they were a benign purpose, probably commercial, recreation, or scientific research. But uh, we, we, we may not be able to go to 100% certainty on that unless or until... Pause it right there. <laughs> so talk about burying the fucking lead. So he just basically said... He goes, well, we can't say with 100% certainty, which is always the cop-out for anything. Like, I can't say for 100% certainty that you people are real people and that we're here, you know what I mean? But he just goes, oh, by the way, uh, the intelligence community seems to think they were all for benign purposes, either scientific experiments or non-threatening. So that's the story, ladies and gentlemen. All this talk about shooting balloons down, it was all just people flying stuff. And the government freaking the fuck out to try to prove that Joe Biden can still get a boner. That's what this whole thing was. For them to try to be like, oh, he'll shoot stuff down. You think he won't? That's what it is. So while all these people are freaking out, the alien invasion has come. No, turns out, just like your sixth grade science teacher trying to do a project. I mean, maybe it was in sixth grade. Maybe he was like a college professor. Still, it's stupid. Dude, model rockets are fucking fun. They are. That was a one good science day. Yeah, it really was, but they'd never work that good. Like, you'd always, like, get one going. Like, one would go, like, way up in the air, and then you'd be so excited about yours, and it would just, like, fizzle and fall down. <laughs> Classic. All right, let's yeah. watch the last of this. You can get to the debris and analyze it, and as I said earlier, that task alone is going to be very difficult, and I can't predict with certainty that we're actually going to be able to get uh, recovered the debris. But we never said we had no idea. We have, we can't prove definitively the intelligence community has helped us try to do some uh, analysis on this, and that's their leading explanation. So you have tried to uh, portray this entire sequence of events as one in which the commander-in-chief demonstrated um, good judgment at the right time and did the right things. Um, the president's critics obviously see it differently. And what they depict is a commander-in-chief who, uh, according to the Washington Post reporting, uh, was able to track this uh, Chinese spy balloon from the inception of its mission off of Hainan Island uh, all the way to U.S. airspace and across the country. And eventually that was shot down after the Chinese had a good look at whatever they wanted to see with that balloon. And who then... This guy talks like the Moderna vaccine is failing him (laughs) as he's trying to ask the questions. I knew I shouldn't have taken that Johnson & Johnson. (laughs) By the way, I will point out also, you know, Kirby, this is, this is what all these guys do, is he's, like, slick enough to, like, what, what very obvious question did he not answer? So he was talking about, oh, we shot him down, we may not be able to recover the parts, we may never know with certainty. But the guy asked him a very specific question. He goes, you have video of this. Can we see it? And he's like, got to talk to DOD. But the thing is, we may never know what happened. <laughs> with this. So just totally, like, ignoring this thing. 
And now this guy's pointing out... The pilots were probably literally on tape going, Sir, I think that's a child's balloon. Are you sure you need us to use an advanced missile on it? Yeah. I was like, hell yeah, take it down. (laughs) So anyway, so now he's talking about the one balloon that they're claiming was a Chinese spy balloon. Which again, I don't know if that's true. Don't trust any of these guys for anything. But he's saying by the official like report that Biden had tracked it before it even got here... They let it get all the way across the country and then shot it down. And now this Kirby guy is trying to be like, this is how great Biden is. He took that out, as well as these other balloons, which even he admitted were nothing. Uh, Presided over a a series of missions in which uh, millions and millions of dollars were spent and, and missiles were fired at objects that you now concede most likely were benign in nature. And that suggests a commander in chief who um, overreacted after allowing the Chinese spy balloon to do what it did and then went trigger happy on a bunch of kites and, and balloons that had no military threat to them. What do you say to that depiction of the event? It did sound like they were going for Jews. That is what that sounded like. It sounded like, all right, I'll praise Biden for uh, targeting the kikes, but everything else this administration's doing. He goes, all right, he did get rid of those fucking kites. <laughs> But, huh? I'm sorry, that came out wrong. <laughs> I've, already, I've already reacted to that exact criticism in the first question of the briefing. I've already reacted to it. He might as well say, I already ignored that question, so <laughs> is there a reason you're asking me it again? Yeah, it is unbelievable, but even as that guy puts it, like that is basically the story, at least the official story right now, is that there was this one Chinese spy balloon. The, the reason why we even know about it is because some dude caught it on his cell phone camera outside his window. And they were like, yo, there's this spy balloon. And then Biden let it go across the country before he finally shot it down. And then, because that looked bad for him, he just started shooting everything down from the sky. And being like, you think you can come in our skies? We'll take everything down. And you're like, sir, that was a child on her dad's shoulders that you just shot down. Like, it was just like ridiculous things. And then they're trying to spin it like they go, Biden's doing really good at shooting stuff. Like, just, it's, it's so goofy, you can't make it up. Nobody, no Americans in the air were hurt. No Americans on the air, were, uh, in the ground, were hurt. James? That's <laughs> just... <laughs> I would just like to point out that as we sent that $300,000 rocket at a balloon kite in the sky for a science experiment, we managed to not kill people. So so we got, put that in the W column, I guess. I don't know. That's where we're at. That's what they're bragging about. These are your betters, people. I've been in these rooms, and if you knew how many times we were going for targets and just hit civilians in the Middle East... You'd actually be impressed that we only hit this balloon. (laughs) So how about a round of applause for us on getting this one right? (laughs) That is actually what he's saying here. He's going, we didn't even kill no innocent people. We will next time. Let me tell you. No significant surveillance achieved by the Chinese spy balloon. Um, and, uh, And now we have an opportunity to learn even more about this program, a program that we started to really study in earnest when we came into office. Um, no apologies here. 
You make the best decisions you can with the information you have and at the recommendation of the leaders of, uh, in the Defense Department who are going to have to execute on that mission. The President did exactly that. He put the safety and security of the American people first, and he will never apologize for that. Knowing nor everything he. you know now, knowing everything he knows now, would he take the exact same steps and shoot off these expensive missiles at these benign objects? We're going to put some more pol policy parameters in place, James, to govern the way we handle these going forward. You make the best decisions you can with the information you have at the recommendation of military leaders. I can't say it any more than that. So, all right, so just, just to be clear here. <laughs> but just to be clear, what, according to Kirby, like what he's saying is his take on this, is that the first one was a Chinese spy balloon, the, the next three were all just like no problem. So the next three were all, we, we spent, we, we threw hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of rockets at things that weren't an issue at all. And that was good. That's, his, that's what he is officially saying, is that it was totally worth it, you had to do it, and, the, and then he'll also say that the Chinese spy balloon, which crossed the entire country, got no uh, info. And you're like, wait, what? Well, we know that. So then what was the issue with it to begin with? <laughs> well... We blasted it into the ocean and haven't recovered it, and that's how we know that it got no info. <laughs> that's how they can ascertain that. And then also these other two balloons are like, oh, we can't, we can't even find them. So they, they, they'll never be able to actually clarify whether or not they were just some loser's shit in the sky. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ah, just so hilarious. All right, what do we? Uh, well, what do we the got last next thing on the, on the balloon topic is uh, we do have Kamala Harris weighing in. No, and stop it! Don't do that. I'm sure we all have a lot of questions, and now we're finally going to get some answers. So let's see what Kamala Harris had to say. If there's anyone who can clarify an issue and make you feel better about it, <laughs> yeah. We will maintain the perspective that we have in terms of what should be the relationship between China and the United States. Uh, that is not going to change, but surely and certainly that balloon was not helpful, which is why we shot it down. I mean, it's like it, if, if this bitch was teaching a class <laughs> on how to use words and say nothing with them... <laughs> I don't, she's not actually this stupid. And she didn't used to do this. It's like, like people focus group tested and they were like, listen, the best thing you can do is just say nothing with as many words as possible. <laughs> and she's like, she's just like, I'm, I'm on it. Don't worry. And she's like, the relationship between China and America should be as we think such should exist. And it will. And our perspective on the matter is what it has been and will not change. And the balloon did not help that. And that's why we shot it down. And you're like, like, I just want to hit you in the head with a hammer. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, not even like to hurt you. I think I might fix you if I hit you in the head with a hammer. What is going on with you? What the fuck was that? Well, I like that the, to her, the balloon was like someone who just needed to be thrown out of a party. <laughs> it's like everyone was getting together great, and the party, like the balloon was just fucking shit up. Like us in China, we're cool. The balloon, as a separate entity from China, was just making things a little bit weird. 
Let me tell you, my favorite part of this interview is uh, the Andrea Mitchell, the the reporter who's interviewing her. As she says all this shit, she's got to sit there and nod and go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. Great point, Miss Vice President. Relationship in our policy toward China remains what it has been. And I actually spoke directly with President Xi about this in Bangkok after the president spoke directly with President Xi about that in Bali several weeks ago, which is that we invite competition with China, um, but we do not um, look for conflict and confrontation, um, which is why... Do you think that was actually the conversation they had? (laughs) Can you imagine that Z? Uh, <laughs> we're not looking for direct conflict with you. And he's like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? She's, I like how she just goes, I spoke uh, directly with him after the president spoke directly with him. And it just says things in such a weird way. Like, what? You spoke directly with him? What do you mean? There wasn't anyone in between you two? Our policy has been clear that we will invest in the American people. We will invest in our own infrastructure. We will align with our allies around the world, and that's going to be part of the discussions I have with the world leaders while I'm here in Munich. And we will compete, and that has not changed. This is what I say, by the way, just pause it. This is what I mean when I say this bitch says nothing. She just said, we will align with our allies. You might as well say, we will ally with our allies. That's what it means to be an ally. Like what the like what is it like she just says like it's just what she focuses on is just let me string together a sentence that means nothing. What I told them is that we will be friends with our en- with our friends and we'll be enemies with our enemies. That's my policy. <laughs> They aren't even accepting phone calls, military to military. Even during the Cold War, we had a hotline. Isn't there a real risk of miscalculation of an accident? Well, we, first of all, we do maintain diplomatic uh, communication. Um, but not military ability. to military. Military really to matters. military is something that we will strengthen, and we realize how important that is. We certainly realize that. And I would assume and hope that the Chinese do as well. Chinese would have to do it as well in order for you to have conversations with them. That makes zero sense. Like that's just her. She goes, your militaries aren't even communicating with each other. And she's like, yeah. And we realize how important that is. And we hope they do as well. All right. Like, how does Andrea Mitchell not at a certain point? Like, I don't even. I mean, obviously, she's a hack. Fucking, you know, this is Alan Greenspan's wife. Like, she, but. Really? She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Green. Yeah. She has to blow Alan Greenspan every night. Look at that woman. This interviewing Kamala Harris is the most exciting thing that happens to her in her day. But even she, like, wouldn't you imagine it would just like eat away at your soul to like ask a question like that? Like you just went, hey, here's the two most powerful countries on the planet, both loaded up with thousands of H-bombs having confrontations and your militaries aren't communicating with each other and the vice president of the United States goes to you, yeah, and that's important and that's why we're going to work to strengthen that. And you wouldn't just go, bitch, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like, do you not have an answer to that? But she just has to sit there and go like, just please keep talking to me so I don't have to go blow Alan Green's back right now. <laughs> please, please, draw this out longer. But at this point, is there a risk of miscalculation of an accident? 
There is always a, a, a way to improve relationships when we have direct lines of communication. That is why the president, our president, Joe Biden, spoke directly with President Xi on many occasions. Just say he spoke to him. Why do you always have to say spoke directly to him? It's like when people say, like, why do they always add these adjectives? Like, you know, it's like when people say, it's like, that was my lived experience. And you're like, you know, the word experience covers that. Well, like, you don't have to say, like, it's like that was my experience. Like, were you alive at the time? Or were you, oh, it was your lived experience. Like, what is it? She spoke directly to him. Who else? That's what spoke to him means. Lived experience is helpful because then they're letting you know before they tell you the next thing that it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) They're just letting you know right away. Yeah. They're like, hi, I have something about my feelings that is not relevant for this conversation. And most recently in Bali, it is why I spoke directly with President Xi when I was in Bangkok just several weeks ago. It is a priority of ours to ensure that we keep open lines of communication and that we make America's position clear. And again, we made America's position clear about that balloon when we shot it down. You know what I think might be happening here? Do you remember in Super Troopers where they have a dare about how many times he can say meow (laughs) after he pulls someone over? You might have cracked this code, Rob. That might be it. It could be. We're just being fucked with. And they tell her before an interview, all right, if you can say directly over 20 times. Because I, I swear, as I'm watching this, I do feel like turning to you and going, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> like, I do just kind of feel that Super Troopers vibe. All right. All right. You might have you nailed it. All right, guys, let's take a quick moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. I don't know if you're like me and you waste money on subscription services that you've signed up for in the past, probably forgot about and don't even use anymore, you gotta go check out Rocket Money. The app shows you all of your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out that you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. This is an amazing service. Uh, for people like me. I'll tell you, I'm like this where if I sign up for something, that's it. I'm just going to be billed for eternity for this service. Most of the things I'm not even using. Go check out Rocket Money. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash P-O-T-P. You could save hundreds per year. Rocketmoney.com slash P-O-T-P. All right, let's get back into the show. All right, so the next thing that we had um, was while... uh... I mean, not this area, because you guys seem to have all the money here. The rest of the country, though, we got monetary issues. We got Social Security's going bankrupt. We can't afford our Medicare and our Medicaid. And so Biden's coming through, and he's well, telling us... Well, we're only, like, $32 trillion in debt. That's okay. We'll get it. We'll figure it out. And now that interest rates are going up, you know, have you seen, by the way, the projections of the interest on the debt that we're going to be paying? It's going to be a lot of money just to maintain the debt that we have right now. But Biden has a, has a plan. And to deliver much needed humanitarian assistance as well as food, water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war. And provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries from Ukraine. <clears throat> it's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. It's also going to provide critical resources to address food shortages around the globe. 
So that is a Joe Biden just very casually pledged that we are going to be paying for the fucking pensions of Ukrainians. Well, they're all going to be dead. Aren't so. even, they're not even in Ukraine anymore. But, and he literally said, so they have something in their pocket. Joe Biden just pledged some walking around money <laughs> to Ukrainians. He goes, like literally, right? Yeah, like Ohio. While there are mushroom clouds full of chemicals going off in American cities, he's like, you know, Ukraines, they're fucking window shopping. So, like, let's give them a few bucks to go get something. That has got to be, that's fucking, like, if you were a fucking Republican who was running against, Joe Biden. That should just be everything you play. Like right there. He wants fucking some money in the pockets of Ukrainians while you have nothing. And instead, so far, Nikki Haley's announced and she's been like, he's not giving enough money to Ukraine. (laughs) That's not enough walking around money for the Ukrainians. That really is fucking bananas. I don't know. What what can you say about this? At least give the money to me first because I like Ukrainian strippers so it ends up back in their pockets. True. Rob has Rob has been Rob had a Ukrainian flag in his bio way before it was cool. Way before went to a strip club just waving that Ukrainian fucking flag. He goes, "Listen, baby, I got some inside information. Russia's about to invade. Come home with me. You'll be good. Don't worry. You need green card." Ah, <laughs> uh, the Ukrainian accent is just like the Russian accent. Because it's their problem. <laughs> All right. So, what uh, else? What else do we got, Rob? Uh, that's it for videos, I think. Yeah, and then uh, we had one other topic, which was that teacher out in Canada. If you want to. Oh yeah. Do you guys? You guys know what we're talking about already? <laughs> the teacher with the tig old bitties out in Canada. So if you uh, if you guys remember last year, this was a. This was a story that kind of blew up. There was a... Uh, how, how do I describe this individual? There was a dude in Canada who was a teacher who got, like, implants, or so it seemed. Uh, was These weren't, like, big tits. <laughs> That's an insult to people who have big tits, to call these big tits. These were cartoon breasts. And this guy was wearing a wig, walking around with these huge tits. I shouldn't even say implants because they clearly they were like fucking. No, these are. But if those floated up to the sky, Joe Biden would shoot them down <laughs> tomorrow. Let's just say that. All right. <laughs> and then brag about it. <laughs> and there were there were whispers that this was a troll. That was like there were rumors about this. Now, th- it seems like this has been confirmed as people have supposedly spotted this person walking around without them titties. And, and no, that's not Tim Dillon. <laughs> it's not. Yo, so, no. Tim Dillon has millions of dollars more than this person. <laughs> And yet the same outfit, but that's Tim, but that's Tim's choice. <laughs> well, I think we're being unfair because maybe he identifies as a dude when he's buying milk, and identifies as a giant titted freak when he's teaching children. 
Now, I think the story was that this guy was in trouble and he was like, uh, they were trying to fire him. Oh, so it was like a and Mrs. So Doubtfire thing? Up. He yes. had to commit to it? He was like, if I'm going to see my kids, I got to show up with these giant titties. No, but he basically did that. He went, oh, I'm trans now so that they couldn't fire him. And he just showed up with these oh, so gigantic the- down to his knees titties and it worked. <laughs> they were like, they were like, well, we can't fire this. We can't fire this lovely woman, so we gotta just so, let her teach our kids. You're saying this is actually the coolest man ever. You know what this feels like? This feels like this would have been the greatest 90s sitcom. <laughs> like, when, when we I lived just, in a better time, this would have been, like, a great Comedy Central Sunday afternoon movie. I just, whenever this all shakes out, if we can please make a documentary about what this guy did. I wish there was a camera crew following him the whole now, time. I want to point out that this is the most disturbing part, and I know that none of your brains went there because you're normal people, but... So this guy's in front of these kids Monday to Friday in school with giant prosthetic tits. Mm -hmm. Then he goes home for the weekend and he just goes back to being a dude. You're telling me over those weekends he's not fucking these titties? (laughs) (laughs) So the point I'm making is not only these kids looking at big giant fake prosthetic tits, they're probably covered in his gum. (laughs) Do you think at one point over the weekend... Like, maybe, like, the principal came over to, like, drop off a paycheck or something, and he had to put his head into, like, the icing of a cake and go, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. That was a good, it was a good movie. It's a really good movie. It's actually a pretty creepy movie, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so this guy did it, and it turns out that's the new thing. But I almost, like, wonder how far we can take that. Like, could we just all be, prote- uh, like, protected if we just say we're trans? Like, can I avoid ever being canceled? <laughs> if, you go, if, if someone's just like, dude, someone's like, this guy's a Nazi. And I'm like, this girl's a Nazi, actually. <laughs> so please, if you don't mind, respect I feel like my pronouns. You should teach a class in uh, working out your lower back because I'm just saying, he'd be like, you bitches keep complaining about lower backs. No, that shit's on fire. He's got fucking... <laughs> He's got the worst body ever, but just like he's got abs on his back from the carrying those fucking <laughs> tits around. Just there. a fucking. He's got a six back. <laughs> All right. Thanks, one dude. I thought that was that deserved way more than it got, but whatever. All right, we got anything else, or we're gonna go right to questions? Uh, what do you I think do? Uh, let's hop into the crowd. Let's take some. Questions. All right, let's fucking go. Who wants to ask something? Detroit, you guys have been incredible. I'll start over here. I'm gonna come around. Two quick fires, like a good libertarian, and break the rules. Mm-hmm. Robbie, Porch Tour, Machine was fucking amazing. Are you going to do it again? Fuck yeah. Uh, can Dave, I already tell you Dave, something? Dave, Dave, that Dave, here's why Dave? I know you're a problem, because you're fighting Rob for that microphone. <laughs> I love how you tried to take it from him, and Rob's like, no, I'll hold it right to your mouth. And then there was full, through that full question, it was like a tug of war back and forth. Yes. Uh, Dave? Yes, sir. Will you commit as my 2024 presidential candidate to bring Robbie the Fire Bernstein on the Rogan show the next time? No. All right, who's got another question? Who's, where's the next question? I, I didn't put him up to that, by the like, way. Commit to bringing Rob on Rogan? I, if Joe Rogan asks me about Rob, I'll say who? Like, what are you talking about? I've got to keep him down here. I'm like, no, I would love to bring Rob on, but you know, fucking Joe Rogan's the most powerful man in the world. When he asks you to do something, you're just like, yeah, let's do it. 
You don't think about like, hey, can I also bring my friend? Like that's can't be weird. The opening to your show says, um, if you want to know who our future enemies are, look at who we're funding now. Do you think that in a few years we'll be seeing Ukrainian terrorists? I mean, look, it's a there's a really good shot, and there's been uh there's there's been fucking reports all over of like straight up. Look, it's not people make it out like it's a little bit more simple than it is. I'm not saying like you like Ukraine is all Nazis or something like that, but there's a real fucking hardcore fascist element within the Ukrainian fighters. Like, the fucking, the whole Sabata fucking, the C-14, the Azov Battalion guys, and all that. And there's been a lot of talk, and these are the guys who really led the fucking uh, coup in 2014, or at least were the violent element of it. And there's been fucking, like, white supremacists and neo-Nazis from all over the world who are traveling to Ukraine to fight with them. So, yeah, that might be, it might be them. But there's lots of people who are funding right now. Like, we're, it's always like, you know, we're still funding uh, Saudi Arabia, who's the biggest exporter of Wahhabism. We're still funding fucking all the, you know, we're funding Joe Biden right now, and he's our enemy already. So, so I, I certainly think it's possible. Um, and, you know, we'll see. That does seem to be the pattern. What do we got? Hey, Dave. Uh, I, I would just like to bring something up to the whole group. We, we're enjoying ourselves, having a great time as a group, but we shouldn't fall bait to the whole idea of that when people produce some sort of art, that we jump on it and say how horrible it is and all that kind of stuff. We're falling prey to, it's a trap in every time. So Dave, my question to you is, with all of the, you know, the everything in the world that's based on you know what's fucking Kamala Harris over here? What the fuck is going on? We're, we're a minute in. I don't even know where he's going. I, all right, all right. So I got. It, let me explain it in more detail. So I'm Canadian. I think. Hold on. Explain it in less detail, <laughs> sir. I'm gonna have to ask you to speak directly to me. His wife is laughing like I've been trying to say that for 15 years. <laughs> All right, let's try again. Question. <laughs> so, my question is, do we get as liber as so I've been libertarian my whole life. Do we get do we get do we get bogged down as libertarians fighting culture wars as opposed to economic wars? When at the end of the day, economics is what matters, not the cultural wars. Well, <laughs> All right, well, don't fucking... Hold on, don't, don't boo him we for that. We don't have to Jerry Springer this, okay? <laughs> well, look, I... Listen, I understand what you're saying. And in a lot of ways, in, like, in my heart of hearts, I'm kind of with you. That, like, look, there are these, these like, huge fights that happen over nonsense. And what's way more important than any of that is, like... You know, people being robbed. Well, you're talking about economic shit, right? So saying the fact that, like, the middle class is being destroyed by inflation is actually way more important than, like, say, you know, fighting over some some dumb culture issue or something like that. But it's, they're not really even completely separate because that's also a cultural issue when families are being torn apart. And also, you know, I got to say... After, like now I got two little kids and I'm in a situation where like I'm doing 
I'm doing pretty well in life. And my kids, I'm going to be able to control, I think, like their environment to some degree. But I recognize there are people who can't. Like there are people who like are like have to, you know, their property taxes are killing them. And they can't afford to send their kid to a private school or to homeschool their kid or something like that. They have to send them to the public school. And if their kid's being like brainwashed with insanity at that school, that to me would be more important than any other issue. Like that'd be something I'd be ready to die over if someone was like propagandizing my kids. So I'm, I'm, we, we've kind of reached a point where the culture war isn't just like a stupid distraction anymore. It's actually kind of like, oh, I think a lot of this stuff is worth fighting over. And whether or not we like it as libertarians, like I wish the Federal Reserve was something people really cared about more. And I do as much as I can to try to make people care about that more. And I think I do okay, at least for me. I do what I can. But people really care about the, these culture wars. And I think what we're seeing is like kind of the disintegration of society and what libertarians are for is kind of pro-civilization. And so we should oppose all of this. I don't think we're required to like say we have nothing to say about these culture wars. In fact, I think at this point, if you do that, you, you do that at the risk of being irrelevant because that's like what people really want to talk about. So you have to have something to say about it, at least. Uh, just all right. I Where? just want to say uh, you guys are hilarious, man. Oh. Th thank you. Where yeah. are you? Oh, right here, brother. Right here. Oh, there. Okay, gotcha. Um, and I want to trump the first question. Uh, no offense, Robbie. But um, will you do the world a solid? And the next time you go on Rogan, bring Scott Horton with you. <laughs> Every time, fucking... As soon as you get on Rogan, everyone talks to you like I'm just the booker for the show. Like I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just maybe we'll just do the next Rogan episode at Scott Horton's house and just see like what uh, I believe. If there's anything, if you think like, hey, it'd be a good idea to bring Scott Horton on Rogan, I I have also had that thought. So like, it's not <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, who's next? All right, Dave, I know uh, Twitter's not the real world, but I've run into a lot of libertarians who seem to think that Russia and the whole Ukraine situation are the ultimate bad guys and the U.S. did nothing wrong. How do I get through to those people to let them know that there's two sides to the story, obviously? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, well, yeah. I, so I, I think that um, there's been, okay, Basically, before, I don't know, I'm trying to say this the right way. So before COVID, right, happened, there was always in my mind, like, there are these two, there's almost like two different camps, broadly speaking, within libertarianism. They're kind of like, say, the Ron Paul Mises Institute camp, and then there's kind of like the Cato, you know, reason camp. And th I, that's kind of how I felt about it. Like, it was like, but, but it was like, we're all libertarians. There's the one more principled, pure camp, which is what I fall into. And then there's a little bit of the more watered down camp, which are, they're still good on a lot of shit, but they're not like as good as the guys that I like. But after watching COVID uh, and, and the response to COVID, particularly like the whole you know lockdown regime and the vaccine regime and all of that, and watching how soft they were on that really made me go, 
hey, you know, I don't even think we're two different like camps within the same umbrella. I think probably we're just different things. Like we're probably just not even really in the same. And if it when, when there's lockdowns, like when the government is literally saying you cannot go to work, that's a crime now to go to work. Or the government saying if you don't get the vaccine, you you lose your job or you can't go to a restaurant as was true in most major cities around the country for a while. Like if you're not opposed to that, I don't really care if you call yourself a libertarian. To me it's like you're not this we're not the same thing. And I, I got to say, like, I, like someone like, let's say Ron DeSantis um, or someone in that, uh, uh, someone who likes him, who certainly is not a libertarian and certainly did some not technically libertarian things, like banning private businesses from being allowed to have mandates and things like that, but was against lockdowns and against at least at a certain point you know was against lockdowns and against vaccine mandates like i'm more on that guy's team than i am on a libertarian who's going to claim to defend vaccine mandates so like that's like it's like i don't know exactly how you define where these lines are and i feel similarly that well you see dude to, to say that you know, you see, like, these people who call themselves libertarians who will be like, you know, NATO is a defensive alliance or something like that. A defensive alliance that conducted the war in Libya. <laughs> like, yeah, Libya attacked Europe, evidently, and NATO just had to defend itself. Or they'll say these things, like I saw one libertarian the other day say that NATO was a, NATO was a voluntary alliance. And you're like, voluntary? Like, in what way? It's funded by tax dollars. Like, what are you, like... So, like, people like that where you go, where, like, it's just so obvious that we, the, the United States and the West and NATO, provoked this entire conflict for 30 years. You know what I mean? And, like, and, and it's not even just libertarians who say that. It's like all of the wisest people in the foreign policy establishment predicted this. So if you don't, if you don't see that and you see, like, America fl flirting with this nuclear war and then you see, you know, we had another video, we didn't play it today, but of Kamala Harris saying that she's determined that Russia committed war crimes and you're like, come on, man, you're going you're gonna to say that the U.S. government, the, the most war-hungry government in the world is calling other people out for war crimes and not, like, you're just, you're just kind of cheering on that narrative. That you could call yourself whatever you want to. I hate when people argue like you're not a real libertarian. Maybe maybe you're the real libertarian and I'm not a libertarian. Whatever we are, we're not the same thing. Like I'm not I'm not even like particularly interested in convincing those people. I'd rather just make the argument and convince whoever is willing to be, you know, willing to listen. But in essence, I spent all that time to say fuck those guys. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Up top. So when you're on the debate stage with Donald Trump, um, what three events or policies will you attack him on the right from? Also, is China a threat? You don't have to answer that one, but the first three I'm most concerned about. So I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't The question catch was, when you're debating Donald Trump on the debate stage and you mm -hmm. want to attack the right from the right, what are the three issues you would attack Donald Trump from the right on? Um, I mean, like the top three, I, I don't know. But... They, the number one is the entire COVID, like the entire handling of COVID. Just like, you know, like I feel like the way to attack Donald Trump would almost be like to compliment him to death. And then just like you'd be like, Donald Trump, you're so tremendous and terrific. 
and you've got such giant hands. <laughs> but, but yet you still declared a state of emergency as soon as COVID came in. And then it, really the thing to attack him for is like his appointments, which include like, you know, Fauci, keeping Fauci on the job through all of 2020. That is 100% Donald Trump's fault. And I don't care. All his supporters try to make excuses for him. They all try to make excuses for him for that. Like there was anything. But the truth is that the entire year of 2020, we were hearing from Fauci every single day solely because he was appointed by Donald Trump to head that task force. That's it. Donald Trump could have at any moment, he could have gone to Rand Paul, who he was friends with. He could have gone to Thomas Massey, who he was kind of friends with. He could have gone to any of them and said, hey, give me a good epidemiologist. Someone really accredited who I can put up here and like who's going to be reasonable. But he didn't. He just went with the fucking the NIH guy and just let him up there for the whole time. That alone, you don't even need two other issues. That alone is just disqualifying. And the other issue would be him praising the lockdowns. Uh, he, he was bashing at by, it was, I don't remember how late it was. I think it was in June of 2020. Double check me on this, but I think it was by June that he was bashing Sweden for not locking down, you know, like just that. And then, you know, just all the, all the just terrible appointments, whether it's Pompeo or Bolton or, you know, like a, a million other ones, but why he's listening to Lindsey Graham, why are you out there praising Lindsey Graham? So it's every, everything that he's bad on, I think you could attack him from the right. So that's, oh, and then what was the second part? There was a second question, uh, right? I'm now on the opposite side. Uh, but, but what was it? Marco, uh, <laughs> uh, it was, do you think China's a threat? I mean, like, China's a threat. Militarily, I suppose anyone who's got nuclear weapons is could be a threat. And that's, you know, something to think about. Do I think China's about to nuke us? No. Do I think they're a threat to, like, militarily confront us? Absolutely not. Were they going to fucking invade America? What do, you, do we think they're going to, like, set sail? They're already the here. Pacific? Those little eyes are everywhere, Dave. <laughs> good. Ah, shit. China. So, like, no, I don't really think so. I think essentially China is an economic competitor to America. And if they're burying us, that's only because we are so fucking incompetent. That we're allowing China to bury us. China is, they, they have a level of, even though they've climbed out of the levels of poverty they were at, that's just because it was such an extreme level. They have a level of poverty in China that we can't even fathom here. Like the poorest people in America are so much richer than poor people in China. And they've built ghost cities. They've built up the biggest bubble probably of any economy ever. I think China is doomed. And the idea that we think they're like this huge competitor, it's like, yeah, okay, we've spent the last 20 years bombing countries in the Middle East and then like paying to bomb them and then paying to rebuild the bridges and then paying to bomb them to get the opposite side that we were bombing the first time. And they've spent that time kind of like investing. And so, yeah, that's worked to their benefit. But I just think like there's... No, I don't, I don't think China is actually something we should be concerned about. We should be much more concerned about what our own government is doing to us, which China could only dream to do to us. But still, get off TikTok. You know what I mean? Like, still, probably don't.
All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. If you're over the age of 21 and you're in the market for Kratom, go check out YoKratom.com. They are a great sponsor of this network. They've been with us for years. They have uh, quality Kratom. It's uh, the best price you're going to find anywhere, $60 a kilo, and it's shipped right to your door. If you're going to go get some Kratom, you might as well get it from YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. All right, let's get back into the show. All right. What's up? With the behaviors and actions of America's leaders like Kamala Harris and Biden and Fauci, do you think that it is due to incompetence or by design that they behave and say the things they do? I mean, it's not, that's not really a binary. Like, it could be both. It could be incompetence due to design. I think, I think it's a mix of both. I think there's a lot of shit that happens by design. I think there's a lot of very, very competent people who are, like, pulling the strings from the shadows. Like, like in other words, I think that if you look at the talent level of, like, the absolute top of the biggest financial firms in America, they're very, very talented people. If you look at the talent level at the top of, like, the biggest weapons manufacturers, they're very talented people. The top of, like, fucking, you know, like, like the deep state and shit like that, I think they're very talented people. The top level of politicians have become hilariously incompetent. <laughs> but I don't know exactly, I don't know that that's by design. I think it's more by atrophy. Like there was just this boomer class of politicians that were completely bought off. And now all those money interests like keeping that that boomer class around. But they've really gotten fucking pathetic. Like it's like when I was a kid, I'm 40 or I'm going to be 40 in April. Right. I'm going to be 40. Ah, Dave's so old. Son of a bitch. You're like three years younger than me, Rob. Uh, But so I'm 40. When I was a kid, way back in the day in the 90s, we had these politicians that you guys probably don't even remember. But like in Congress, we had these guys like Joe Biden and um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. And like they're all still there. Like it's the same fucking people. They just never left. There's a few new faces, but so many of them like never fucking left. And I think there's a weird thing there where it's like they were all like in and they just wouldn't pass the baton on. It's, a, it's something it's like a symbolic of the boomers in general. They're very selfish as a generation. Not all of them. All right. Hey, Dave. Thanks for coming out, man. Um, Thank you for coming. This is kind of a retarded question for half of the people in the audience. That's but... my strong suit. Yes. Are, are you familiar with Peter Zahan by any chance? Yeah, I know. I know the guy. So I'm not like super familiar with his shit, but I know who he is. Yeah, right. So for libertarian circles, I would equate him to Krugman. Uh huh. What is your take on his like geopolitical takes? For so I don't know that much. I saw I saw part of his thing on Rogan. Like that's all I really know about him. And he was just getting a lot of shit wrong. Like it was just so I don't know that much about him, but he was saying like there's a real threat of nuclear war with Russia and that's why Russia needs to be defeated. 
in Ukraine because if they and like I think his argument basically was like, well, if they win the war in Ukraine, then they move to Poland and now it's a direct nuclear confrontation. But it's just like you could almost just like like just are it's like, yeah, but just like examine the assumptions of that. Right. So first off, you're assuming that if they win the war in Ukraine, then they automatically move to Poland. But like what? How does that even make sense? They're going through a multi-year long war where they're completely fucked up. Like they've gone through this crazy battle and then they go, now we're in a position to take on NATO. Like why does that what where are you basing that off of? And then. So, like, that was just almost a given. And then you go, like, well, what about if they lose the war in Ukraine and then feel like they're actually threatened? Why is that not more likely to trigger a world war? Like, it's, it's or trigger a nuclear war. So, it's just, like, the, the idea that Vladimir Putin would ever launch nuclear weapons from a position of strength seems insane. The same way we would never launch nuclear weapons. Look, America has been... Since the 90s, when Charles uh, Krauthammer declared it the unipolar moment, we're the most powerful country in the world, right? We do whatever the fuck we want. We want like, no one could dream, no country in the history of the world could ever dream as being as powerful as America's been for the last 30 years. We don't like Saddam Hussein, boom, he's gone. We don't like Gaddafi, he's gone. We don't like any fucking government, we fucking overthrow them. Whatever we want, we do. How come we've never dropped a nuke in all that time? Because what, you don't risk fucking blowing up the whole game when you're winning. You'd only risk it when you're losing. And that's the only play you have. It's like a fuck you. If I'm going out, everyone's going out with me. So I thought his whole take on that was really, really stupid. The idea that Putin's going to start winning and then drop a nuke. No, the fear is that he's going to start losing and think he's going to die. And then he doesn't give a fuck about what happens anyway. So... I just thought I, that that's all I remember of hearing of him on Rogan. And I thought it was real, real dumb. And I texted Rogan the next day and I was like, this guy's real, real dumb. <laughs> but, uh, <I> was, <laughs> so. With the death of the part of the problem inner circle, it seems like you've been less intellectually maybe challenged like you used to be by some of your followers. So my real question is, where are you going to find your next Kyle? And what do you think people <laughs> like that add to your intellectual development? I miss Kyle. <laughs> you know what's so weird? Just as you mentioned that, that I literally, I got like a message. I'm never on Facebook. I don't use Facebook at all anymore. And I just happened to go on like a few days ago. And they, there was like a thing. I don't know, some notification from the part of the problem inner circle group. And I clicked on it. And I was like, did they just reactivate this group? And I just clicked on it. And it said, this group is still under review. <laughs> Like, it's been three years. And they're like, we'll get back to you. Don't worry. Like, something's going to happen. Um, and I was, I, I was actually, look, like, they let me. I can go on it and still, like, look through some of the old posts. And I was looking through a few of them and just, like, being, you know, nostalgic or whatever. But I don't think that's true, that I haven't been uh, intellectually challenged since Kyle. I think that um, I've, I've tried my best to... Uh, I try my best to always stay sharp with this stuff, and I, I, I love doing debates and arguing with you know people on, on all different sides. I've argued with a lot of people to the left of me and people to the right of me, or however you want to define it. So I think I'm always trying to trying to you know I, I keep up with what the other like kind of political opinions are that are out there, and I, I try my best to think to have a, a good response to it or to 
to kind of like listen to their ideas and see who's got a point or who's not. Who do you think I should be, uh, who do you think my next debate should be against? You can shout it out if the mic's not still in front of you. I don't have a good answer to that. (laughs) Jordan Peterson? What would I debate him over? Lobsters. Because lobsters, why why would I clean my room when I could have lobsters clean my room for me? I'd, I'd debate him on Israel or fucking Iran or any of that shit anytime. I, absolutely. I like, I like Jordan Peterson. I'm a, I'm a fan. I thought his last, you know what's so annoying is that he's, his last Rogan appearance I thought was fucking great. And then the next day he's like, fucking, we should pressure our government to overthrow Iran. And you're like, well, uh, there goes that. So. I'd like to see the Jimmy Dore debate with the topic being, is government or capitalism the problem? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, here's the thing, right? And I just, I'll preface this by saying, I just, I have nothing but love and respect for Jimmy Dore. I think he's just great. But I don't know if you saw, like, um, so I did a, like a panel with him recently on uh, that dude, uh, Craig, uh, the guy, Pasta, his show. And we, like, basically agreed for the first half of it about all the stuff we agree on. And then when we started arguing, like, markets versus socialism, it's just like, He's not really like, I don't know. He's not really like trying to like debate these things. Like you kind of make your point and then he's kind of like, well, that's a good point. You know, <laughs> like it's just, so I'm like, I don't know. I just, I think Jimmy Dore is so awesome. And I think it's so cool that he's like one of the best fucking anti-war voices in the country. I'm just not that interested in debating him. I just want to fucking agree with that guy on the shit he's awesome on. And he's, he's been on such a tear lately. Just, it's just so great. He's just doing a fucking phenomenal job. So, like, more power to him, you know? I don't really... When we're on the verge of nuclear war, like, I'm much more concerned with that than I am with healthcare. Even though fucking government healthcare sucks. Speaking of that, how about that Seymour Hearst story about the United States being involved in blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline? Do you believe it? Was that an economic Pearl Harbor against our ally? And if so, is Congress a cuck? Is Germany a cuck? (laughs) Find out on this week's edition of... (laughs) Fucking Rob just nailed your voice so good that it was setting up for that. Um, America responsible for blowing up the uh, Nord Stream pipeline. I mean, who could have thought that maybe... Yeah, I think I think probably that's that's right. And I think Seymour Hirsch is a solid fucking journalist. I don't think he would just be making up those sources. I think that's right. I think, you know, I'm not going to say Germany is like a cuck. I cuz yeah, well, I don't fucking know, dude. You'd probably you could probably like I I guess if a dude puts a fucking machine gun to your head and says, "Do what I fucking tell you." Are you a cuck for doing it? Yeah. Okay, then then if that's the case, then they're a cuck. But I think it's basically like, what the fuck are you going to do? It's like some real gangster shit. That's what it is. It's real gangster shit. And so imagine from Germany's perspective, where like Germany has been talking for years about doing this fucking pipeline. And they build these two big pipelines with Russia, and they make this big partnership. Now, you know that took balls for Germany to do, right? Because like imagine you're in the EU, you're in NATO, and you go, we're going to make a like groundbreaking partnership with Russia. You know that's going to piss everyone off. But they did it. Anyway, because they fucking, I don't know, thought it'd be good for money, good for their people, whatever. And then 
This war starts, and America's like, you better pick fucking sides. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll shut off the pipeline for now. And then America's worried that you're gonna, they're going to turn it back on. So they blow that shit up. And then they go, so whose side you on now? And then you're in a position where you're like, well, you can't just go, I'm with Russia. We're going to turn back on the pipeline. Because your pipeline's at the bottom of the fucking ocean. So they go, yeah, I guess we're with you. So, okay, whatever you want to call that, fine. But I don't really... Yeah, was it Pearl Harbor? No, not exactly. Was it an act of, like, industrial terrorism, environmental terrorism? Yeah, like, all of those things. If if it is what it looks like overwhelmingly is likely that it was the U.S. or U.S. allies who, who blew it up. I think as Jews, we know better than to call Germany a bunch of cucks. <laughs> He's going to say, let's not taunt them, you know? Like... Hi, Dave. Hello. Welcome to Michigan. Thank you. Again. Um, Robbie, again. I just have one question, and I know... I just have one question. I want you to, right here, right now, in Detroit, Michigan, mm-hmm. are you really wearing sheath underwear? <laughs> I am too. I am too. Sheath, sheath underwear, baby. I fucking, I'm not making that shit up. It's really good underwear. I'll tell you, right, right now, if you ask my balls how my dick is feeling, they'd go, I don't know. And they're like, We're, we haven't seen them in quite a while. Sheath boys for life. All right. All right, I have so many questions coming to my mind right now, but first of all, everyone go check out Robbie's Porch Tour. It was a great time. Yeah! Check Hell out yeah. Dave on the road, too. He's great. He's awesome. Yeah, we're doing that right now. <laughs> I'm having a fun time. It's awesome. Anyways, first question, or only question, really, is uh, what's the difference between a politician, a businessman, and a criminal? Um... Okay, so uh, the difference between a businessman and a politician and a criminal. Uh, the businessman has to provide something of value for, uh, in order to make money. The criminal just takes that shit. And the politician takes that shit and convinces you that they provided something of value. That's, that's, that's essentially the difference. All right. Thank you, boys, for popping my comedy show cherry today. I appreciate oh, it. awesome. Very yeah. cool. Were you at the stand-up show as well? Yeah. yeah All right. Was. Awesome. Very good. Today. Anyways, I have a question for both of you, but mostly pertaining to you, Dave. And uh, it goes, so in the inevitability that you become president of the United Skanks <laughs> of America. <laughs> Commander and queen, mind you. <laughs> what is your stance on the current status of the military, and what do you think its role should be in the future? Um, I think like, you know, like what, what Ron Paul used to say basically is what, like what it should be right now. Bring all the troops home from everywhere in the world. I'd fucking, I'd be fine. And I know this'll, this rubs some libertarians the wrong way. I'd be fine with putting them on the border of the United States of America. If they're going to do something, protect, protect our country. Instead of fucking trying to protect the borders of all these other fucking countries. But I mean literally from everywhere. And I think that's like, even with this like whole fucking war in Ukraine shit. It's like, 
get our troops not just out of all of the Middle East, but out of Germany, out of fucking everywhere, out of Japan, out of all the all of them. Forget it. We're not subsidizing the defense of the entire world anymore, especially when it just it's these countries are in less debt than we're in. Like, what the fuck are we paying for their defense for? And what have we? What has it produced? Like, in like, even if you're going to defend World War II, which you shouldn't, but even if you're going to defend that, what war has America fought since then that's been good? I mean, like, who can even make an argument for a war? I, was, I remember when Scott Horton, or not, it wasn't Scott Horton. It was someone in the in the audience asked Bill Crystal, "What was the last Bill Crystal, neocon number one?" They go, "What was the last war?" that you think was a good intervention that worked out. And he goes, well, maybe in the Baltics in the 90s. You know, like, he, even he had nothing. And he's wrong about that. But, you know, like, he, even he couldn't defend. So just bring all the fucking troops home. It, it couldn't go any worse than what we've been doing. So there you go. But fortunately for all of us, I will never be commander-in-chief. So, but I will be talking shit for a long time. Wow. All right, Dave. All right, well, you, you only need 70 million votes to win, and here we've got 200. All right, there we go. All right, Dave, so with all this stuff, with, like, the January 6th pipe bomber and Ray Epps, I'm convinced there's somebody, there are a lot of people out there that are, you know, Fed, CIA agents. Do you think there are people that have been implanted in our, in our society, like, that are famous actors, musicians, does it go that deep? And who are your top three candidates that are feds that we think are just Ooh. actors? Or Leo, because well. he likes kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like, okay. So if you ask me as a broad question, are there people implanted in all of those areas? I'd say for sure, yes. You know, who they are exactly? I don't Bono. know. Is ba- Bono, you think is a fed? Sean Penn is not nearly smart enough to be a fucking fed. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I'd say um, within. I don't, but you know, like a lot of people, like when you say, "Are they a fed?" That's a very different thing than being like, "Would the feds want to promote that person or that type of shit?" You know, so there's like a distinction there to be made within like the media. I I. I mean, half of them are just like admittedly feds, you know, like everyone, here's our foreign policy, you know, expert, James Clapper, you know, or like, but those, the other people around them, I bet some of them are actively like agents, you know, and then a bunch of them just follow the fucking program. So I don't know, just, I'd say my advice to like libertarians or any other type dissidents who like the shit I say is, uh. Just, I'd say treat anyone who is telling you to break the law as a fed. I don't know if they are or not, but if anyone's ever trying to tell you to break the law, especially to do anything violent, treat that person like they're a fed and don't do that shit. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the guy, if you're at a protest at the White House or the, at the Capitol building and someone, some big, bur- get some big, Hold on. Yeah, some big barrel chest dude is outside going, let's storm the Capitol. Maybe just go, let's treat him like he's a fed and not storm the Capitol. Hey, uh, what role did weed play in your life? And what did you notice about quitting it when you did decide to quit? And what motivating factors other than your family, because you're a great dad, played into your decision to quit? 
Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you saying I'm a great dad. Although, to be fair, you don't really know. <laughs> I, just, I just act like a great dad. You don't know what I do behind closed doors. No, I am a pretty great dad. Uh, so, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I started smoking weed, like a lot of weed, when I was like 14. And I smoked pretty much the whole time until my wife got pregnant. Then my, my daughter's four, so five years ago is when I stopped. So that was a long stretch of time. And if you ask me like what role weed played, like what it did for me, I think there's I think there's positive things that it did. I mean, I was a real like I had a lot of fucked up shit going on in my life when I was a teenager, and I think weed made all of that a little bit easier. And I think that there is something to the idea that it like expands your mind or something like that. And I think there are things that there's something about like smoking weed will make you look at things in a completely different way, you know. And so I think that probably helped me become like the libertarian and cap that I am and helped me. Like it's much easier to go like, okay, hey, let's zoom out and look at this whole like government thing from a different perspective. And so. There was something about that. I think it helped me um, in, in a lot of ways like that. I also think there's probably a lot of other ways that it hurt. And part of the, you know, like anything that lets you escape from problems that you have is also an issue. Like the benefit is you get to escape. But the negative is that you're like, hey, you're not really dealing with that. You're just kind of like escaping from that. And so anyway, around the time my wife got pregnant, I just kind of like hit a point where I was like, all right, I'm about to have a kid. I can't just be stoned all day. Like, I don't want to be like fucking, you know, I don't want to like not be present with my kid and be like, so I was like, I'm just going to stop. And I just stopped completely. And I noticed immediately after I stopped that I, I had much better like clarity of thought, my like memory improvement and overall just... I, I don't know. I was just much, I, I was, I was much happier in life once I stopped. And I think that there's a lot of, uh, for like a lot of young people who smoke way too much weed, I think know that they probably shouldn't smoke as much. And you're just probably better off cutting back on it. I'm not trying to demonize it or anything. Like I know lots of people who smoke weed and fucking are very productive and great people and shit. But for me, it was definitely better to stop. I'd recommend most people, like, if you're smoking a ton of weed, maybe you just experiment with, like, taking a month off. See how you feel. And so, I don't know. That's, I, I think that I'm, I'm very glad I stopped. And one of the benefits of it is that it's like, I just, I, I, could, I don't think I could be as good of a father if I was still smoking weed all the time. So, that's what, what I'd say. But, but I'd be a better husband, let me tell you that. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. All right, hey Dave. Um, so my question is, if we can get approximately 10% of the population to just ignore the government at the same time, can we potentially win? And how do we make that happen? And what would the date be? Can I just say... The date? Right, I, gotta, I gotta tell you when it's gonna happen? Can I just say that guy's... Like, it sounds like he has the math worked out. Just... <laughs> well, 10% of the population... What, what is it, like 330 million people in America? What? 365 million people? All right. So that would be 36.5. But some of them are only three fifths of a vote. 
Yeah, that was good. Fucking Rob, the math jokes are fucking, yeah. He's only good at racist jokes and math jokes, but when those two combined, he is really. Um, so yeah, if you had like 36 million people who are like committed to ignoring the federal government, that would make a huge difference. I mean, like, the, I don't know exactly what it would be, but the country would be in a different place than it than we could imagine. And so what, you know, what could that accomplish? I don't know, but I think a lot of really good shit. Now, what do we have to do to get there? And what timeline? I don't know, you know? I think that the, there's this whole, like, kind of alternative platform now to talk about these ideas, which is, like, what we're doing, what big podcasts are doing, and whatever. My thing is just, like, I'm going to try to get on the biggest platforms that I can get on and try to put our ideas at the forefront of those and present them in the best and most compelling way that the people who are these big influencers and these people with the big platforms go, huh, that's a real interesting idea to you know, consider and try to persuade as many people that this is a good course of action. I think we, we're still in the process of needing to get more and more people on board. But if we start ever approaching those numbers, I think, yeah, I think at that point, it's not about, you don't need to like win an election or take over a government. You just need to have enough people who are willing to go like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Like, we're just not. I mean, even though where they said like, uh, you know, just to, in comparison, like the numbers you're talking about, we're, you're talking about 10%. And what do we say that would be? That would be uh, 30 million or something, right? 36 million. So, you know, they made that big thing about how they hired 30,000 new uh, IRS agents. Or was it 80, 80,000? Sorry, I'm not good with numbers. But, but so still, so 80,000 uh, 80, new IRS agents. Okay, that's 80,000. We're talking about 36 million. Are those 80,000 going to take down 36 million people? You know what I'm saying? It's like once you get numbers like that, then all of a sudden, no matter what numbers they have, they just pale in comparison. Like, the government is this, like, tiny little fraction of people who are ruling over this, this mass of people. And so the more you can wake people up, the more, like, you have options of how to peacefully resist what well, they're doing. Tom Woods, <laughs> Tom Woods only has, like, 10, 15 good years left, <laughs> you know, so I don't know about Tom's lifetime. But hopefully, I'd love to, I'd love to, I, I would love for him to see it. What's up, brother? So I want to thank you for taking that conversation with Curtis Yarvin, if you could call it that, on Malice. I mean, he talked the whole time. But yeah. how do we engage with these new authoritarian right people? Because they do seem to be growing in popularity. Um, I mean, I don't know how much they're growing in popularity. You know, like, uh, Curtis Yarvin's been like, he's, he's been a popular guy for a while. Um, I think his, you know, I didn't, I don't think I did a great job in that, but he's, he's an interesting guy. I think some of those like dissident right winger types are interesting. I ultimately think that we're, uh, we're right and they're wrong, you know? And I think that the, I, uh, all of these kind of like ideas that they come up with are, uh, essentially, I think all of their criticisms of libertarianism basically apply to their views as well and that our like solutions are preferable to theirs. But the the fact is that there is a reality that 
a lot of people are not going to are going to oppose the current regime like we do but not agree with us completely on everything and we have to see where we can work with those people and what benefits can be made with those but i don't really think it's true that like they're growing tremendously in popularity i just i i actually think that's wrong and i think that really there's like i, I don't know it depends on who you're classifying in that camp but that most of like curtis yarvin's like what are the biggest shows that he's on? Or what's the biggest audience that he gets in front of? It's probably like when he's doing Malice's podcast or something like that. It's probably, and he's like an anarchist. Like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see that. I think sometimes when you get lost in these little worlds online, it's easy to feel like they're bigger than they are. I'm not even saying like our world is that big. But I think our world is bigger than the, uh, the neo-reactionary right world is. That's the truth. But I still like to talk to all those guys and try to persuade them to come over. Then there's also, there's like other worlds that are kind of separate from the Curtis Yarvin thing, but are like, I don't know, whatever. There's the, like, Nick Fuentes. Uh, he's kind of a different strain than, than Curtis Yarvin is. Gay Mexican strain. Yeah. That's, <laughs> as far as, if you're looking at the, <laughs> in the gay fascist Mexican world, he's the biggest <laughs> thing they're going to have to offer. <laughs> I kid, Nick Fuentes. I kid, but I'm interested in talking to all those guys. I ultimately think like they're they're they have some flawed ideas, but there's there's something there, and they certainly are opponents of the current regime. And at least they're not like uh, at least they're not bitches, which I do appreciate about them. Like even when they say things that I think are wrong or or I disagree with, I'm like at least there's like some fucking courage to what they're saying. And I do, I, I have respect for that. I fucking, I just hate, I, you know, especially if you're like an opponent of the, like this evil regime, I hate like cowardice and I hate people being like, well, we don't want to say the thing that we're not supposed to say. Like, I'd rather the person who's like, I'm going to say everything you're not supposed to say. <laughs> like, even if they're wrong about some of it. All right, what do we got? Rob, right, we can probably do one, corner. one, maybe two more questions. All right. Dave, it's awesome to meet you or see you. I'm a long-time fan. Um, I'm embarrassed to admit that Jason Stapleton was my gateway drug to you. but um, <laughs> Don't be embarrassed, man. Jason but was no, great. The Jason it, Stapleton show back in the day was great. It was great. awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm here with uh, several folks from the Bitcoin and Beer Meetup group in uh, Detroit. So we love our Bitcoin. Bitcoin and Beer Meetup. Yes. It's a great that sounds, combination. That sounds um, fun. And, but I, I dropped my Bitcoin in my beer. Yeah. Well, Dallas, I know I we'll asked last week, so I'm going to switch it up to a different question, but I do love when you have Guy Swan on. Um, Vice President, your selection, I don't know if you can see my shirt, but I'm, I'm pushing for Michael Malice. Um, as much as I'd like to see you on a stage with uh, all the presidential uh, folks on the presidential debate, I'd love to see Malice up on the vice presidential debate stage. Who's your, who are your leaders, or your, your top three picks for vice presidential? And if it's already Malice, right. just... I would, I would never allow Michael Malice to be my vice president because he would shoot me in the head like within a day and consolidate power and take over the press. You can't let Michael Malice be one... You can't incentivize him to murder you. That guy, yeah, he's a fucking Russian psychopath. Like, I don't... You could never. But I don't know. Pre yeah, press secretary, he could handle. That's his role. Um, but, I, you know, look, man, all this stuff is like, I don't know. Any, any great libertarian, like a bunch of people always said they wanted Maj Ture to be the guy. I'd love that. 
I'd love fucking so many like uh I don't know, Spike Cohen, Eric July, Tom Woods, Scott Horton, like any of these people. Ron, if Ron Paul's up for it, let's fucking go. I'll fucking I'll jump I'll I'll be the vice president. I've been trying to convince him to run again for a long time, but he's not gonna do it. He keeps giving me this bullshit about how he's ninety. <laughs> All right, one more one more question, Rob, and then we'll uh, we do have to wrap up because we got a hard out here. Hello, Dave. It's nice to see you. I nice think our last encounter was in Austin on Kill Tony. Oh um, shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good small time. world, huh? Um, I had a couple. I had one question to ask. So, out of all the ideologies that are um, enforced to bring this one-world government, would you agree that it is communist, Marxism, uh, Zionist, Nazis, and socialists? Wait, hold on. You just threw a lot at me. Wait. I just say I feel like out of all of those ideologies, like they're a mel- like they're a melting pot, almost like it's yes. coming together. That's the world government. Well, it's like like I don't she know. She threw the Jews in there, Dave. So she sure did. <laughs> Well, she already said communism. Um, I don't. <laughs> Come on, no, nothing. We don't. We're too far. All right. Uh, so you know, like technically speaking, it, this is like weird. It's, it's almost like, what do you mean by those terms? Because technically speaking, like communism and Marxism is really not what we're dealing with today. It's kind of basically, I think, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, it was almost like. The old style communism is out. We're, I don't think we're ever, we're going to see any effort for government to own the means of production or anything like that ever again. I think they basically figured out this kind of like like yeah socialist fascist hybrid system of like private empowerment. Yeah, the managerial state. This kind of like private empowerment through state power. That that's just a much more like. Um, it, it's just a more uh, stable, you know, system for them to rule people. So I think that's, like, certainly what we're up against. I do think that there's something to be said, even though I don't love the term, um, but of, like, a cultural Marxism type shit, where they've kind of reformulated the oppressed versus the oppressor as being, it's not so much anymore about bourgeois proletariat, it's much more about, you know... Straight, gay, white, black, you know, male, female, cis, trans, all that shit. So they use a lot of themes from that there. But really what it is, is just like, like really like hardcore crony fascism. It's like Davos shit. That's what we're fucking up against. Like the idea that, that we'll have this connected kind of like world government that runs on this fascistic corporatist structure. And in terms of like Zionism... That's that's like a very big branch of it, um, but I don't really think that's really the ruling ideology. I think that's just like you know there are these Israeli interests that they really care about that, and they care about having their corner of the world dominated by them and convincing America to fight wars in that part of the world and shit that benefits them. Um, but really, the what we're up against is this new fucking hybrid of all those things. And it's the the challenging part is that when you use any of those terms, it's very easy for other people who don't see it that way to go, well, that's ridiculous. There's no more communism. Or that's ridiculous. They don't, you know, so we almost need like a new term for it. That's why I kind of like when people make, uh, what's his name, that Klaus Schwab guy, the face of evil. Like, let's just find find those guys and be like, yeah, we're against that. 
That's what we fucking hate. Whatever that is, is what we're up against. So I don't know if that's a good answer to your question or not. But uh, hey, listen, we have a hard out because we've been here all night long and they said we got to be out by uh, midnight. So we got to wrap up on that one. Thank you uh, so much, Detroit, for coming out today. The shows were great all weekend. We will be back here next year. We appreciate it very much. I'll I'll be outside in a second if you guys want to say what's up. Thank you so much. Have a good night, Detroit.